When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Hey, thank you for checking out the Performance Anxiety Podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Mark. And if you're looking for new music, this is the episode for you. Pete Rains of You Bread Raptors, with the question mark, is the guest. He's the kind of guy who started playing bass because everyone else was playing guitar. His introduction to music was a little different than most. His earliest influence was his deadhead pastor father. Immediately after high school, he was signed to a label in a Pennsylvania diner. It was one of those milkshake type of deals. He started playing eight-string bass because of a typo and a friend willing to front him 700 bucks. The band You Bred Raptors has paid its dues by busking in New York City subways. But that's also how they got the gig opening for Yoko Ono at the Museum of Modern Art, a TED Talk, and several birthday parties. Pete is very candid about being difficult to define, winning the all-important wife demographic, and what Rick Springfield has or has not done for him. We also find out about the strangest tip the band has ever received. So follow the band at Raptors on social media, buy music on Bandcamp, or through their website, youbreadraptors.com, which is also where you can book them for your next birthday party. Follow us at Performance ANX on social media and support us at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety or with merchandise at performanceanx.threadless.com. And without further delay, Pete Rains of You Bred Raptors on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Okay, good. Good. They're all going to be bad. Um, uh, this is Pete. This is, <laughs> uh, this is Pete with You Bred Raptors. Uh, you're listening to the Performing Anxiety Podcast. And I just want you to know that I told people I was on this thing and they're like, is it about sexual dysfunction? And I said, yes, yes, it is. So for all your sexual awareness needs, go to the Performance Anxiety Podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then they got cured. They're no longer impotent. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. I killed all my porn, so I'm just, you know. Oh, well, that's, that's fine. That's good. It probably helped the uh, <laughs> the, the buffering. There you go. <laughs> now I got to find it again. Oh, uh, my God. I know. I know. I might be able to help you with that. Okay, cool. Just don't tell my wife. We'll, we'll start an OnlyFans page. There you go. <laughs> you call it You Bred Performance Anxiety? Mm, only glands maybe it's just close-ups of penises i'm not sure <laughs> or thyroids oh there you go all different kinds of glands so yeah thanks for joining me man this is going to be cool yes thanks for having us and for me uh sorry about the last minute change up 
No worries, man. It happens, it happens all the when time. a band member lives lives out of the city, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, it, look, it happens all the time, man. No worries. We just roll with the punches. So, um, Cool, man. I appreciate that. So the way I normally like to start things out is to find out a little bit about your history and, and how you got into music as a profession. I mean, was that mm-hmm. something that you were into as a kid? Was it something that, that was in the house a lot or were you drawn to it later in life? How did it come about? Um, that's interesting. Cause I definitely come from a musical family, but it's not in the cliche way of, you know, Oh, I lose, I used to put on little shows as a kid or whatever. <laughs> like dumb actor cliche way. They've saying like <laughs> my dad was a pastor at a church and I had a very odd childhood, but music was always around, but it was like Celtic music because we're Scottish ah. and my parents were hippies and they fought, fought around the Grateful Dead. So it was a lot of jam band music, a lot of folk music. Oh, wow. Um, the Grateful Dead all the time. So, <laughs> but I rebelled against that when I, I, I grew up. I was like, no way. I'm just going to listen to punk rock and fuck the establishment. Yeah. And then I kind of found myself later in life being drawn to that type of music anyway. And I'm like, fuck, maybe they were right. Maybe <laughs> it was just a phase, but. I do, I do still enjoy <laughs> punk rock. I tried to be in a mosh pit recently, oh. or I guess right before the pandemic, I went to a metal show and I was like, well, my old bones cannot take this anymore. So oh God, no. You guys have at it. Yeah. Um, I'll enjoy so the music now. I he remember was... my dad, he was, I know it's crazy, but um, my dad used to play bass, you know, after his sermon when he was preaching. Oh, know? wow. And, you know, now I'm like an atheist, so I don't really care about the church, but it was my first time seeing somebody like perform like that. So I was like, well, I'm going to be a bass player then because we have a bass in the house and I didn't know how to play obviously. So, and I never took lessons, but I think I just wanted to do something different because the guitarists were always like a dime a dozen, but I was like, every band needs a bass player. Right. So I'll be a bassist. And, and I guess I started taking it seriously around like 14 to 15 and I kind of found myself to be, I was like, man, I'm always like the serious one at band practice, you know, like, yeah. like Captain Killjoy. <laughs> oh, like, no. guys, we have to practice. We have a show at the, at the middle school auditorium. We really need to like get our shit together. You don't know who's going to be there. And then <laughs> there could be a talent scout there. Exactly. But I don't know. And then I got I got signed to a record label outside of high school. So oh, wow. I was like, okay, shit, like this is this is it. So, and I thought that, I didn't think I had made it. But I definitely thought, okay, I'm at least on the right trajectory. Now, looking back, I remember signing that record label or that record contract in a diner, like in, you know, oh, central that's, Pennsylvania. That's such and a northeast way to go, too. Something should have told me that that's, that's, <laughs> something should have told me that that it was definitely, something was off, you know? <laughs> and I don't think it was a, like, pre- I don't think it was predatory or anything. I got to keep all the rights to my songs. Yeah. But it was just kind of a shady record label that was trying to get talent and they did pay for my album to get made but outside of that it was like you're on your own did they pay for your meal at the diner cds they did oh see (laughs) i was like what free milkshake (laughs) i'm listening i'm listening where do i sign Sign me up so then i moved to new york city and it was like i was doing my solo bass thing and then i always felt i don't know i felt stagnant so i wanted to start a band and a friend of mine had a like a she had a our collective called the blood dumpster. She's like, Hey, I got a show in two weeks. Do you want to play? And I was like, I'm going to just start a band and play that show in two weeks. And that was my, wow. That was my goal. So I started with a drummer, 
we like just made up five songs very quickly and we played at this art collective this Greenpoint art gallery or something and that's how the band started that's how you bred raptors started was just bass and drums we added a cello then and we've gone through many iterations and members since so <laughs> yeah that's, that's, where, that's where we're at how did you come up with the name you bred raptors as a question well we fucking stole that from jurassic park that's right. easy yeah um, I was, but why I that wanted, quote i was I just, it always kind of stuck with me. It'd be like really cool to have a band with no guitarist and no singer. And I wanted to name it You Bred Raptors. <laughs> and I honestly thought this was going to be kind of like a one-off show. But oh, then man. we got accepted into, into the Music Under New York program, which is like you get legal permits to busk in the subways. And I remember my first drummer, he only lasted with the band for a couple months because I was like, hey, we're busking like three times a week and it's hard work. Yeah. And he's like, no, man, I'm out, you know? Like, oh, wow. He's like, this is, you know, he was used to playing in, in a jam band, you know, that played every couple months, played at parties, jammed a lot. And I love the guy. He actually ended up becoming a volcanologist. So he studies volcanoes all over the world. So I'm Whoa. like, you sure you don't want to come back and get paid like zero money to be in this band, dude? <laughs> <laughs> so, he might be able to find the amber he that you're awesome, looking for. But then, yeah. Yeah, well, he. I'm not sure if he's more of a fan of Dante's Peak or the the movie Volcano, because that's really <laughs> what I want to know. Like a professional opinion about that, that Bloods and Crips, bitter rivalry. Exactly. So, <laughs> so you never so, really I wanted... Mean, the, okay. ba the band's been going by... Oh, no, okay. I was just saying the band's been going hard ever since. Because once, once we got put in the subway, that's why I moved to New York, was to play in front of people and... You get seen by like 60,000 people a night. They're not going to all listen to you. They're not going to stop for you. They're not going to all take pictures of you or buy a CD, but right. they will hear you no matter what. So, In the beginning, or from the beginning, it's the idea was never to have a guitarist, but was it to have a cellist? Or was that something you just kind of thought? Um, I hey, think so. Cool. It was either going to be two bass players or some other low-end instrument. Okay. And, you know, looking back, it would have been so much easier to just have another bass player <laughs> because <laughs> trying to find a cellist is so hard because, like, I love the sounds of strings. I do. And I've always been drawn to it. But finding a cellist that can not just play classical music has been so hard. You got to find oh, yeah. someone that can improvise. You got to find one that can write, that can play on stage with loud drums, that can work with pedals, work with looping. It's just, I I genuinely believe I've probably talked to 90% of the cellists around the New York area. Wow. And that is a fuck ton of cellists. No kidding. And a lot of them are really sweet, but some of them have, you know, they're just like, you know, they're used to playing weddings and orchestra yeah. gigs where they get paid a lot of money. And I'm like, hey, you want to be, hang out with me in the back of this van for a month? You know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a hard sell. I'm going to take your cello but into I'm the subway? I'm very lucky to have, oh my God. Yeah, my, my one cellist's cello was $30,000 or something like that. Like it was a ridiculous oh. amount of money because it was made in like, in like, I don't know, Mongolia or something oh. in the 20s. And we don't know. So it's just, they're incredibly fragile instruments that are handcrafted. Anyway, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to have Tara in my band now. She's an amazing cellist. And she plays an electric cello live, which is so much better to travel with because it's so, it's so much more aerodynamic and thin. <laughs> yeah, but, I um, saw that. And you can kind of, of adjust on the fly, yeah. Yeah, she has, a, she has a nice one too, but 
you know, we'll record with that one, but we're not going to, we wouldn't bring it to the subway. You know, it's oh, just God, yeah, I the can temperature have... spikes are just too extreme. So, oh yeah, for sure. I didn't even think of that. So, yeah, oh, it's, it's not because I'm an eight string bass down there and I have to take it like every season basically to get looked at. And he's like, what are you doing to this thing? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm like, I'm like, it's my only bass. I really could. This is all I'm trying my best not to beat the shit out of it. Yeah. But it happens. <laughs> How did you go to the eight-string bass? You said you'd never taken lessons. I mean, was that something that you mm-hmm. thought would be cool? Because the one you play, you designed, right? Uh, yeah, I, I helped design it. Um, I'm endorsed by Conklin Guitars. And I think it was in college that I was, I was always playing four-string. That was my thing. I never, I never played five. I never played six. And I just, I don't know, I was just doing some retail therapy. In college, I was <laughs> feeling pretty aimless, and I just looked up. I wanted to look up what a seven-string bass cost, and I literally hit the wrong button on the computer when I was looking at eBay. Oh my gosh! And like a seven-string bass would have cost something like two, three thousand dollars, but for some reason there was this like Korean company that had a bunch of really shittily made eight-string basses <laughs> for like seven hundred dollars. I didn't have that seven hundred dollars, but I had a friend who like. Kind of, kind of came from money, and I was like, "Dude, buy me this bass, and I swear, like, I'll pay you back." You know. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, dude." He was the drummer in my band, so I was like, "This is gonna help you, all right? You can write this off." I don't even know what a write off is. Uh, I don't. I still don't know if I fully know what a write off is, but anyway, he he bought that for me, and I think I paid him like fifty bucks. And he's like, "Dude, you're well on your way to doing a lot more with that seven hundred bucks than I ever would." So. Wow. Don't worry about it. And you know what? He dated my sister for a while, so I think I'm going to call this even. I think that, yeah, I would say that's fair. I think it's like a, it's like a, it's like a dowry. But, <laughs> so I remember getting that bass, and it just, I don't know, it just opened everything up. It's just the two strings are lower and two higher. So it's like F sharp to high F, and I tune that high F to an E. So it's oh. just expanding what I already knew. There's no way that I could say I mastered the four string and i went to eight there's no fucking way i can't like <laughs> i'll never be as good as jocko or victor wooten or les claypool i'll yeah. just put that out there because everyone thinks people that play more than four strings are losers <laughs> i'm a loser for totally yeah. other unrelated reasons it's, it has nothing to do with how many strings are on my bass but it's got more scale than a grand piano so i just wanted to do more with it wow but now that i have a cello in the band like i can sometimes just play the low end and she plays the high and we kind of switch off so i think it's the best of both worlds i'm not up there doing these huge masturbatory solos I'm right just, i'm up there i see it like a, it's like a songwriting tool it's not something to like show off or to shred on but people are still impressed with it so i will do my best to talk to them about it but I'm not a gearhead, so when they start asking real technical questions, I'm like, "Ugh, well, you this won't is get, wood." You won't and... get any of that here. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate those people. I'm glad they exist because I'm endorsed by a couple other pedal companies too, and I'm always getting questions about my pedals. And I know the people asking me these questions; they know more than I do about yeah. it. So I'm almost like, "Hey, what can I do to make this hissing sound stop?" Yeah. So I've had a lot of really cool people. <laughs> They're just, they're really nerdy about certain things. And I really appreciate that because you can always strive to know more and get better and hone your sound. It should be an evolution. Well, if you didn't have those people, we wouldn't have those people making those effects and those instruments. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I love boutique pedals for that reason. Oh yeah. Mainly, well, mainly because the big pedal companies they don't want to sponsor me, but the little ones, you know, I have a shot with at least. At least I'll answer yeah. my email and say no. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm never looking for free shit. That's the other thing. Like I know they get inundated with people that are like influencers and yeah. people that have maybe like a sizable reputation with their band, and they're just like, hey, give me free stuff, and I'm like, like the bass I have, I paid artist pricing for it. There's oh. no way that that base took eight or 14 months to build. There's no way I'm just going to ask people wow. to like dedicate their time and be like, I'll give you a shout out on my MySpace page. Yeah. Like it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. I, I was a photographer for like 15, 12, 15 years. I, I get that. You, you'll get so much exposure. You can do it for the exposure. <laughs> no, I need exposure. not going to pay my You've rent. done that. It it's so funny because like when we get asked to play a wedding or something, it's usually from a really cool couple that likes our music and they understand musicians. But every once in a while, we'll get asked to do a wedding for like just whatever people, and yeah. I kind of feel bad charging them as much as we do. But we get screwed on every other show throughout the entire year. Wow! So if we finally can get paid properly once, <laughs> and it's most most of the time going to be being paid by one of the parents, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. So. Like one of those shows will help fund a quarter of our year and, or like a tour, you know, like one, four or $5,000 payday will go a long way. Like we'll make really stretch that dollar. But the other shows where, yeah, you get paid 50 bucks and you know, yeah. An Instagram story. It's, (laughs) it sucks, but you have to swallow it and just do it. Talking about some of the, the shows and all, you mentioned that you guys do busking in the, the subway system. And, but there was a, there was a whole story behind that. I mean, that's that you, you guys got one of a very limited amount of permits to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The music of New York is, it's been around since like seventies or eighties. Okay. And when, when we first submitted to that, I, there was no part of me that thought we were going to make it. <laughs> I remember really? you have to submit a video first. Yeah. I mean, just because like, we're not pan pipe flute players, you know, and <laughs> those guys work fucking hard, but I know what's in the subway and I know what's, you know, aesthetically pleasing to people. But I remember when we sent the video in, I did like this tapping version of Eleanor Rigby. Oh, wow. It's like, while I'm not a huge fan of the Beatles, I knew whoever listening would be. So we did that and we did a song and we just did like the most like four on the floor kind of like head Bobby song. Oh, and cool. to, you know, I think something like 700 people submitted, like that's kind of the average each year. Wow. And they give about 60 slots out and then you have to, you have five minutes to audition in front of a bunch of judges. And oh then I think only 15 to 20 get in. Wow. So, but we didn't wear masks for the audition cause we don't want to scare anybody. Right. But I was, it was kind of cool that there was like, there was like younger judges on the panel and they wanted to see something different. I think we got lucky. Like the year that we did it, there was just a lot of like singer songwriters and I'm not saying they're not, they're bad. They're not, but it was just kind of monotonous, a little repetitive after a while. So yeah, there's nothing unique about that. So yeah. And it, you're trying to capture people's attention and especially, I don't want to sound like an old guy yelling at the clouds, but like kids these days, you know, <laughs> like it's very hard to capture somebody's attention especially like with the, you know, with cell phones becoming more and more the only thing we're looking at. So if you can visually capture them, you have like two seconds to capture somebody's attention. And 
a lot of times it doesn't work. If they look up and they see three guys or a band wearing some masks and they're playing some music and they take out their earbuds and they actually listen, then we know we, we've hooked them. And if we can get them to like miss a train or two, that's huge. Oh, yeah. But we haven't bushed in a couple of years because, well, I mean, obviously COVID, but yeah, it's just, it's so different now. Because like, while we finally have like reception in the subways, Mm-hmm. nobody's buying CDs anymore at all. Oh. Like, no computers come with CD drives. I know. And everything is just streaming. So the only money you're getting is like tips. And then a lot of people are not carrying cash around and you can't really, you know, stop a song to get somebody's Venmo from, right. you know, from them. And right. so I don't know. I, like I love that busking is a part of our history and I would really like to kind of get back to it at some point, but this current landscape it's just we are basically just playing for exposure every night wow and i would see we like rock hard for three hours You know, that's nothing to sneeze at, but like you'd have to pretty much be doing this for like 30 years to make any kind of headway with that kind of ratio. So, yeah, that's true. So now, you know, you just got to, you got to adapt or die. So we're just going to, I don't know, got to be strategic, figure out the next move. You have to compete with all these like influencers and content creators. It's just, it's just tough. Like sometimes we're just like banging our head against the wall. Like we worked on this thing. We put our content. We're really proud of it. The general public forgets. Oh within yeah, a couple of days. Yeah, so what's next? It's unbelievable how short the attention span is. It, but what, one of the things I liked about what the videos that I saw of you in the subways was the sense of humor that you guys had too. I mean, the, first of all, the the, yeah, the masks well, were interesting, <laughs> but you also had the signs. You okay, know, well the ma- the <laughs> I know you. We tried so many things to just like get people to stop and listen because. We heard a lot of hate in the subways too, really? you know, but most of the experience, like 90% of the experiences were like really positive, even on nights that were like really dull and we didn't make any money. There were still points where like, there's like nobody there, nobody there. And you're just, you're playing I don't know, five, six, seven, eight songs and nobody's stopping. And then all of a sudden during one of your like, not as cool songs, you look up and there's a huge crowd and you're like, fuck, how do we like transition this? into one of our really, really catchy songs because that will keep people there. Yeah. And the bigger the crowd, the more exponentially it's going to grow. But then other times you'll be kicking ass and it's just like, it's like a tumbleweed will just roll across <laughs> because there's fucking nobody. <laughs> and like, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no like method to the madness. We knew like never to play the day after a holiday. So if like Memorial Day was a Monday, like you'd never play that Tuesday because nobody wants to be at work. And they're not stopping for anything, you know? So we learned a couple tips and tricks like that. Oh, but man. for the most part, you know, sometimes we'd be like, fuck, we made like 700 bucks tonight. And other nights we're like, there was so many people and we barely cracked two. Wow. So, and that's, that's, and when I say those numbers, people are like, wow, like that's amazing, but it's a ton of work. And, you know, we put most of the money back in the band anyway. Like that money doesn't last very long, but it's like strenuous 
it's like five hours of work and you're literally pulling like hundreds of pounds up flights of stairs yeah you know so so when you're down there busking how with the permits that you've got are there limits to how long you can be down there or are you do you need to be down there for a certain amount of time to keep the permit or so in the program you basically you book out like every two weeks okay so the thing is like you say you're available these times and you want these locations and then they kind of put you where wherever so <laughs> they just ignore it and we do always, their own thing well it's like if you pick like four locations that you want like those are the good ones we did Times square union square herald square and like grand central station and we always picked the evening rush hour because the morning rush hour is that's fucking stupid don't yeah. ever do that like people are late to work constantly they're not stopping and you don't want to do the lunch crowd because the subway is just not as packed. So okay. the evening crowd, we always did six to nine. Now, there was no slots after us, so we could have kept going. But on a weeknight, which we usually did, the subway dies down. And it's just not worth playing after like 10 p.m. Oh, on okay. a weekend, sure. But then you're going to then you're gonna have a lot of people who aren't on the program just waiting for your spot. Oh. And sometimes impatiently waiting. So <laughs> if you show up and there's already somebody in your spot... Like, I've seen other musicians get really aggressive and, like, flash their permit in their face. And, it's like, that's not a way to do it. Because guess what? Like, you're not being cool in that mm -hmm. way. And then these people, they have no incentive. So like, what are you going to do? Get a cop? Because yeah. that's what you'd have to do. <laughs> so we would, like, if that happens, so like, there was usually, like, break dancers in our spot or something. Like, you go in there and you throw a $10 bill down. And you're like, hey, man, like, we have a spot. At this time, we're going to set up next to you. But... Just keep doing your thing. And then that's like another 15 minutes that they can play. So oh, that's awesome. It's all about community there. So, but again, we haven't bust in a while. And I we wouldn't even know what it looks like now. Like yeah. post in quotation marks COVID. Right. So that's why we've just been like, we've been touring really, really heavily for the last like six years. So okay. we're anxious to kind of get back to that life. I also noticed a few other interesting things that you've done, like uh, you've done a TED Talk. Let's see, you performed with Yoko Ono at the Museum of Modern Art. Those are all subway stuff. Really? That's, that's where I was like, I would try to tell like my band members in the past, like, they're like, why are we busking? Like, we're not making as much money. And I was like, every good thing that we've gotten has been because of the subway. And wow. I really, again, I don't think it's going to be a forever part of us, but there is something to be said about being in the right place at the right time. It's have the right person seeing you. Like it's... <sighs> It's tough because, like, there were times that we had to, like, cancel our subway shows, right? Okay. And then the thought would, would plague me all night that this was the night that, like, the right person was walking by and we weren't there. You want to talk about performance anxiety? Like, that is my, that's, that, that's like, uh, haunts me to this day about the shows that we didn't play. Right. And it's like Schrodinger's cat where, like, 
you don't know if the cat's dead in the box. Like, <laughs> I don't know because we didn't play that night. And like, I'm still on this track of life and I don't know if it's the correct one. And like, it's, I don't know. It's tough to reconcile, but like the Museum of Modern Art, one of the program directors saw us in the subway. He's like, hey, Yoko Ono's weird. You're weird. You know, do you guys want to play the show? We don't have much of a budget. And we're like, fuck yeah, we want to play the show. And like the budget that wasn't that big was like bigger than like most things that we were getting at that time. So oh, wow. We're like, yes, we'll do it. And then we did Adult Swim. Um, we did music for Adult Swim and we did their Comic Con show. That was because of the subway. Somebody saw us and they're like, hey, we're going to get a bunch of subway acts. We did the Toy Fair every year and that's because they were doing subway acts and like, the TED Talk was like, I think that was one of the only ones that we, we did because we were doing ancillary stuff. But I try okay. to tell, you know, like, you don't know who's going to walk by. And it's important. And fuck it. It's like super fun to play and to kind of feed off the energy of the crowd. And like, I keep trying to chase that dragon on tour because, you know, sometimes you're playing like a shitty venue on a fucking Tuesday night somewhere in Kansas. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, there were five people here. Fucking Kansas. So, but you got to play like there's five. You got to, yeah, no. You got to play like there's 500. I mean, that's like 30% of all the Kansas population came to our show, but still, it's like not, it's not the best <laughs> feeling to look out and see such like dead space. That's, you know, we're, we're, we're cutting our teeth. That's what you do. You put in your time. So, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. If you look for it, every day has cause for celebration. Celebrate a friend for their promotion baby wedding life thing. Celebrate yourself for keeping the couch warm. It's no easy feat, especially if it's a big couch. Or maybe you just want to celebrate living in 2023 where you can get beer, wine, and spirits delivered from Drizzly in under 60 minutes without leaving said couch. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. I want to take a minute and talk about our sponsor, Tiesta Tea. Tiesta is a tea company on a mission to create loose leaf tea beverages with premium ingredients that taste good and do good. Each tea is blended for one of five categories so you can energize, slenderize, boost antioxidants, boost immunity, and relax. My current favorite is Blueberry Wild Chow. You know, when I was growing up, my dad always told me, once you go loose, you never go bagged. And you know what? He was right. Go to tiestatea.com and use the promo code ANXIETY15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. You think you know tea? You haven't tried Tiesta Tea. Taking away the, the busking, how often are you guys out on the road? I mean, before COVID, we were yeah. doing pretty much seasonally. So okay. we are doing like a spring, summer, and fall tour. We've done a couple winter tours. It's just kind of like when we get like a really good anchor date, I'll be like, fuck, like this is in point A and then there's point B. Let's just book a bunch of stuff getting there and back kind of thing. And, but winter is tough because it's like, it's like the weather's bad. Not a lot of people want to leave their house. It's just harder to get guarantees. So, wow. But I didn't know that. Spring is great. Summer has a lot. Of, yeah. Summer has a lot of festivals. Fall has like the tail end kind of smaller festival circuit that we do. And we just want to hit as many points as possible because like if we're already out on the road, we might as well do it. I think just this last tour too was the first time we actually took a day off. 
we like never took a day off on tour because we're like hey if we're traveling through like boise idaho we might as well play a fucking show but there's definitely something to be said for like taking a night off regrouping getting your energy back so that's kind of what i'm in the midst of now i'm booking this really big spring and fall like summer tour oh nice and like i don't i don't know where we're gonna play in like south dakota no i have no idea what's what's there (laughs) right and there's everyone knows about like between kansas and colorado is literally 11 hours of nothing it's like no man's land for like any anybody that tours they'll talk about that like if you can make that stretch then you can hit colorado and you can hit the west coast and and all that you can hit all the really great spots but getting there it's basically adding like another 10 days to your trip so you have a drummer and a cellist when did they because they're not the original drummer in the cellist, like you said. You had a, a quite a lot of turnover over the years. That you've got a, a new uh, drummer. The new, the new. So yes, we we have a new drummer now. His name is Danny Sure. We played with him a couple years ago. He has a project called Horse Torso that is just like so fucking weird. Like it would <laughs> like, think Frank is Appa weird, you know. But he's like the mastermind behind it. So wow, I really like that he's also a, also a band leader because he understands like how hard it is to book these gigs and you know and but he hasn't done a lot of touring with that project so glad to have him on the road with us tara's been with us for about four years now sometimes we had temporary people sometimes you know we had hired guns just to like help out because somebody bailed right before tour or something like that so isn't that what happened um, with tara still keep in touch yeah we had (laughs) tara came on with about five days notice wow which ironically so did danny so and they've they've known each other before so I'm really glad they have this like foundational relationship and he comes highly recommended and she's like, yeah, I can vouch for him kind of thing. So it's like, great. Oh, that's awesome. But finding a cellist that quickly was like, that was a miracle, you know, cause our one cellist, he bailed, you know, five days before a big tour. Wow. He had some kind of injury. Oh. And we were like, okay. Like we were, we, we, I remember we had our like notation for all the cello parts and I was sending them to like violin players. I even sold, sent them to like this 12 string bass player that he was just going to jump on the road with us and do the cello parts on his bass. And oh, man. I'm glad, I'm glad we had a cellist <laughs> for that, for that tour. And you know, not all the shows were awesome, but she like jumped in and learned it and made it her own really quickly. And that's huge. That is amazing. And how long has she been in the band now? Uh, about four years now. Okay. So, it's kind of hard to tell with uh, the pandemic. This time oh, God, is yeah. kind of like a weird flat circle. I, I try to remember, but the last big tour we did, we went from Canada to Mexico and it was like this huge monster tour. And we're like, okay, we're going to take a couple months off, do some writing and then we're going to get back to it. And then fucking COVID happened. So yeah. we're off for a year and a half. So she's not on the last full length album that you guys did. No, but we were. That was our fourth full-length album, yeah. Yeah. But during the pandemic, we wrote basically two albums worth of material. Wow. So we'll be recording that before our next huge tour. Uh, We were supposed to record that a couple months ago, but then, you know, some other COVID stuff happened, and so we had to push it back, which is fine, because then we got a new drummer, and he's got to kind of make it his own, too. So just tough now, because, like, you know you're just going to spend a shitload of money making an album, and everyone's just going to get it for free. So, oh. it's like, but it's fine because that's just what you do now, I guess. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> Maybe we'll put out some cryptocurrency or oh, uh, some NFT. An NFT. Yeah, that's the big. That's all the rage now, right? I, uh, can't go wrong. Oh no, of course not. <laughs> Bitcoin's doing just fine. We need our own multi-level marketing scheme for this band. I think that's that's the next step. <laughs> that's, that's just Raptor coins. That's only you can cash them in. I know. Name it something really stupid, and then leave the country with all the money invested. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so like a lot of tech stuff. <laughs> yeah, which I won't care. So, right. So uh, has the sound of the band changed at all in in adding Tara to it? Because she's classically trained and i mean i imagine most professional cellists are yeah. but it's definitely different every time we get a new member we lose songs that we wrote in the past oh. like there's just no way around it that's just wow. like you don't intend that to happen but they'll kind of go on the back burner and you don't play them as much and you kind of want to focus on writing new stuff so the new person kind of feels involved and then yeah. it just eventually those just kind of die until like you have a show where you're booked and you have to play two sets and then we're like, okay, what can we bring out from the graveyard yeah. kind of thing? And like, sometimes you just, sometimes you have like a, a, like we've had cellists that are just, you know, their specialty was just like shredding. Oh. And that's not what Tara does. Like, she's like me where she's like, wants to put a lot of focus in like how the songs will feel, what the harmonies will be like, and like really making the song a cohesive narrative because we don't have lyrics we don't have right. a singer like it's important to have some kind of n narrative for the song that sounds like a complete thought like we don't we're both not big soloers you know like we'll take a solo but it's like i love it when you can you know there's a theme that you get stuck in your head and it's some kind of earworm that yeah. like you can hum to yourself later You're like what is that what song is that like that's important to me well, like i'd rather yeah. make somebody feel something from the inside than just impress them with some stupid gimmick well yeah you I mean you get a, a a melody stuck in your head you don't always you don't get a guitar solo stuck in your head for the most part exactly yeah, yeah. and the, the song so, that i did I mean, she hear, could she could do both the song that i yeah uh, what song was that uh conclave the one that you guys did together that yes that's an mm -hmm. amazing track So that's interesting because Tara and I, uh, we were working on another song that was like this like monster song and it was like had a bunch of parts and I really liked it, but it never went anywhere. It never went past that. We wrote the whole thing. It's like a six minute song and we're like, eh. and at the end, we're just like, I was like, hey, I kind of have this one thing I'm working on with this one stutter effect on my pedal. And like that became like just that last 20 minutes when we're like wrapping up was the most exciting part and that's that's what conclave was it was oh, okay. just like it's just one idea and we were both in there together and we already like our creative juices were flowing but it was almost like stopping time and we just used whatever we had left in the tank to like hey how about we do this this and, and we kind of like wrote it really quick and we brought it to practice and then it was kind of like rounded out so that's the one that we ended up like starting most shows with just because it's so different from what we normally do yeah but it's still kind of catchy that you can capture anybody who's like just there for the last band or something 
I th- it's the first track I played for my wife, and she loved it. She thought it was amazing. She said it's, it, wow. it sounds like it could be on a soundtrack. Yeah, that's what we're going for. Wives are our, our best demographic that we can get, so appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been listening to the, uh, the the albums for days now, She and usually in the car, and she's like, this is amazing driving music. Ice Nine, Lux Alterna. Yeah, from Requiem for a Dream, yeah. You guys are just amazing at interpreting classical and putting it into a, I guess, post-rock viewfinder, maybe? I'm not yeah. exactly sure how the, the, the best way to describe it. I, I hate trying to describe somebody's music to themselves. So No, that's fine, because that's what we, we like, being kind of like just coloring outside the lines and being a little harder to define. The problem is, is that you know, it becomes the easiest way to kind of reject us from stuff. Ah. Like, no, you don't really work for this festival because like you're a little too, we can't like easily compartmentalize you and, you know, A&R agents and managers and booking rosters. They've all like kind of turned us down. Cause they're like, you're not easily marketable. Wow. I'm like, I don't believe that. I think we are. I think, I think we're really accessible and wives love us. So why can't you? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> They're the best demographic. I know. I hope so. that and like little kids. So little okay. kids love us. I, I think, uh, <laughs> We're available for birthday parties, everybody. Okay. And you'll wear a unicorn mask. We will. We'll wear anything you want. Like we're, we'll sell out so fast. Just tell us what to do. Where's the casting couch for this there band? You. I will sleep with anybody. I'll see. There you go. There it is. Wow. What a beautiful burgundy couch. <laughs> Hides the stains. Maybe it's magenta or mauve. I can't tell. I don't, you know, honestly, I don't know either. I looked through a lot of the videos and stuff, and I've got a question that really has nothing to do with the music. But are you a... I'm here for it. Are you a juggler? I am a juggler, yes. I thought you I might that, be. That's better than being a, a, a juggalo, but I, I, <laughs> I sure. do teach juggling on the side. So um, that was one of my side jobs before before the pandemic and... It's something I still like to do. We're like the nerdiest band. Like we, <laughs> we play frisbee and juggle, and Tara reads, and listens to podcasts and stuff. Like we're not, we're not going to destroy a hotel room or something. Like I might hit the ceiling and scuff it up with with some juggling clubs, but that's it. Hey, you know, that's it's, easy. It's just like I don't. I always found juggling to be really like cathartic and almost meditative, and it's just for me. I've done some juggling shows, but I really don't enjoy it because. You know, every time like a kid comes up, I'm like, I feel like I have to do this like little 10 to 15 second act for them, you know, <laughs> whereas like, I'd rather just be alone, run drills because like, you're just dealing with the elements. You're only dealing with like gravity and physics and the like weather elements. So yeah. I really enjoy it. I didn't do it as much over the summer as I'd like to. And I lost all my sunlight, which sucks, but uh, now it's cold again. Yeah. But. That's my thing. That's like one of my hobbies, especially on the road. Cause like you have to get to like the nicer venues we play, you have to get there like three o'clock 
in the day to like load in, oh. sound check, and then there's like six hours until the show starts. So pick up a hobby. You know, I could go look at porn or I could do juggling. Or you do both. Could, I was going to say, you could probably juggle some porn. Yeah, that's true. Add some. You can juggle dildos. Was, uh, that was going to be my next thing. The same size, but they're a little floppy. Yeah. Uh, but they're weighted the same, so. Are they? With some practice, Mark. I'm going to make this happen for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, bring that show to D.C. and uh, I'll promote it. I know. I know. That's possible. what our that's what our stage show is missing. It is. <laughs> A visual element besides the masks. I know. I know. We got to compete with these young kids. I know. Well, you know, like you said, you got to get them out of the phones, out of their faces. What better way yeah. than to juggle sex toys? Then missing and hitting them in the head with a dildo. Got it. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Good. All right. Step one, (laughs) juggle dildos. Step two, assault children. Step three, profit. (laughs) Step four, become a sex predator (laughs) on my license. So let's not do that. (laughs) Step five, register every time you move. Yes, yeah. So you said you're working on a new album. You have like two albums worth of music to record? That is... Yeah. That's exciting. So it'll get whittled down to one, obviously. And then I don't know. I don't know what the trajectory is. It's either put a couple out on Patreon and go that route or put the whole thing out. You can be like Kanye and just put it out with no promotion, but we're definitely not Kanye. So <laughs> usually like when you make an album, like even like 10 years ago, you would have like this like four to six month campaign, like promoting it, you know, leaking out a couple songs at a time. But now it's like, Nobody's, nobody's got time for that. You know, you, you put it out, you know, because people's voracious appetite is just, it's not dwindling anytime. So you're also battling with a lot of other bands that have been waiting to put stuff out just like for you. Sure. I know. And, and the bands that survived, like, amazing. But, like, we lost so many great bands in those last couple of years. And um, we're trying to do something for that. Like, we owe it to them. I was, it sounds cheesy, but I feel like we owe it to, like, all the bands that like couldn't make it, you know, or like, you know, genuinely lost people Yeah. to like, I don't know, make something of that really negative time and make it into something positive. Well, if anything, you bred Raptors is resilient. You've gone through yes. a lot of changes and you're still here. Yeah. Well, we just won't die. <laughs> that's our, that's our motto. <laughs> Much like Yoko Ono. Yes. She's yes. still here. I didn't see the new beat. Did you see the new Beatles documentary? I have out? not yet. I just stole my friend's uh, login for Disney Plus, so I will be watching it soon. Wow. But I just got that hot take today. Scandalous. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw a couple of clips of it and I th- Peter Jackson, the director, was like, yes, it's really weird that Yoko and I was just there the entire time. But she's not like an impedance on it so i'm, I'm kind of curious to see how it turns out i already said i'm not a huge fan of the beatles but like as a musician their legacy is iconic oh, and yeah. it's fascinating like i watched i watched the, the history of the eagles you know oh i've listened to like two songs from the eagles yeah but it's like four hours long and i was like captivated because like watching any band struggle is like it, it is like porn to me because i'm like fuck how do they do it that, like, yeah I, you know they have a band like rammstein that's never had a lineup change and they're just same band for like 
25 years it's just it's crazy to me yeah i just want to know that it's possible you know so i love watching those documentaries too and just like you even if it's a band i'm not interested in something about seeing the behind the scenes mm -hmm. stuff fascinates me which is why sure. i kind of started yeah. doing this podcast no and i really appreciate podcasts like this that kind of do the deep dive because you hear a lot of bands being interviewed and it's just so like formulaic and you're like yeah you know like you know we did this show and it was great and this other show that was great and you know like they never talk about the bad stuff and like yeah. that stuff humanizes you and exactly. i try not to you know air dirty laundry or like talk shit because i just did a a diary for a base magazine, like a tour diary. It's like the third or fourth one I've done. And oh, like, cool. It's really cathartic to kind of look at it and do this long form writing about like what a tour actually entails, like what kind of toll it takes on your mental and like physical body. But other ones I've read is just like, you know, we played, we played California today and we're going playing California tomorrow. And like, that's, yeah. I don't want to fucking read that. Like, I can look at your map and see where you're going. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want to see like why one of your band members left because like they just couldn't take it. You know, that's interesting to me. And, and you know, I'm not just, it's not just, I want to see somebody struggle, but it, I don't know if they can do it, I can do it. It's, it's inspiring. Right. It, it kind of humanizes the bands that you idolized. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, it makes them <laughs> yeah, a little more whatever. attainable. <laughs> Sure, and, but it's it. such a different time. I remember the the Tom Petty documentary was was so fascinating because like while he's an amazing songwriter, it was just a different fucking time. Like just this yeah. dude from fucking Alabama writes an album worth of material, records a really shoddy version on a cassette tape, goes out to LA and is there for two days. And at the end of two days, he literally has like nine record deal offers. And yeah. like he just went to a phone booth and looked up record labels and just showed up. I, it's just there's no brick and mortar places anymore for record labels so right. i don't even know how you do that now like it's it's just it's just a relic in time and a yeah. lot of these older bands would not exist today like they could not keep up with like the social media uptick exactly. and like the constant you know flow of content it's just i i don't know like i i feel like i'm stuck in between because i'm like that weird zenial age where like i was born in 82 so I was born without a computer and then I had to adjust really quickly. So I, I know the feeling, um, man. I'm just constantly trying to play catch up. Yeah. I, I was born in 73, so I know the feeling. Gen Xer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I grew up with, with, in, with the uh, best music. I had the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So mm -hmm. you make a great point because how do you get your music out to people? You know, record labels, PR people, they have to get inundated with emails. So, I mean, how many are they actually able to look at at this point? Oh, no, you have to come fully equipped with like an army of followers. There's a lot of like, we were trying to pay people, like we were trying to pay A&R agents and have PR campaigns. And they're like, we don't even want to accept your money unless you have X number of followers first. Wow. Basically, like half of our job would be done at that point. Yeah. And like, you can get traction if you already have like, you know, if you have like 25,000 people on Instagram follow you and like real people, not like paid bots or whatever, right. like if you have that, you can, you have a little more leverage, but it's just like on the road. Like if you're not making like 3000 a night after you pay everybody, there's no management will talk to you. And that's just because they can't make any money off you. Wow. So no matter how good you are, no matter like how many crowds you can kind of win over, it doesn't matter. So that's why everything is done online. Like if you have cultivate that following and you can 
like, okay, we're going to play a show here, and it sells out right away because it's just your fans coming. There's like no chance of any kind of crossover or gaining new fans from this. You're just, it's just a victory lap every single time. Wow. So do I wish I was there? Fuck yeah, I do. Yeah. But <laughs> it's just, it's not that easy. I don't come from money. You know, Rick Springfield is not my uncle or something that can get me in the door. Right. So thanks a lot, Rick Springfield. Yeah. What have you done for me ever? Nothing. <laughs> so are you working with anybody yeah. right now? Uh, PR wise or anything like that? It's just us. Wow. Uh, we were on a record label a couple years ago and that label dissolved. So, and you know, labels these days, they're more or less like a glorified credit card. They might get you shows here and there. They might pay for a recording or like a tour bus or whatever, but it's, it's all on us. Yeah. You, like you we're doing everything back ourselves. Too. Like, I've booked like over a hundred cities by myself. Wow. And it's, that's not going to change anytime soon. Like we might, you might find a booker that's like, Hey, I'm good in this area, in this area. And I can help you out, get a couple shows on your route, but nobody's going to like book an entire like month long tour for you, you know, unless you're willing to pay a lot. And like those shows, they're going to be door deals. I don't even know, like, you know, most of them aren't going to be guaranteed shows, especially now after COVID. I, I have no clue oh. how it's going to like pan out. So, yeah, it's a whole new landscape in every aspect it's unreal for sure was there ever any thought to having vocals in any of the music at all um i'm not against vocals i just honestly at this point it's like i don't want to deal with one more person's scheduling bullshit you know yeah. like if somebody could come in and really add something to the song and like the, their vocals are like just one fourth of an element of the band I'd totally be down. I'm not anti-vocals. I'm not anti-guitar. It's just right now, especially like you have new people. I don't know if like if Danny, our new drummer, was like came in with a headset, like looking like a Backstreet Boy, and was like, "Yo, I got some vocal ideas." I'd be like, "Okay, let's. I guess I guess let's hear it because you you came dressed up." So, um, but as of right now, I think a lot of people they like our music, especially wives. They love our music because it sounds like a soundtrack and, and we're trying to break more. We've done some film scoring and we'd really like to do more of it. That rarely has any kind of like lyrical content, but true. I would like the band Russian circles. They had Chelsea Wolf on a track and it was great because it was like, it was just one track and it really kind of showcased that like, damn, this music could really work well with vocals. Yeah. They chose not to most of the time because like, that's just their strengths. So it's like, getting immersed into a song and i think vocals might pigeonhole a song to be about one thing where it's like instrumental song can be about anything you want it to be so yeah i'll stick with that l1011 another they did one ep with vocals and oh that was it i love them we yeah. were trying to get on a, a perfect example we we're trying to get on a tour with them and like management liked us and it looked like it was may have happened and then all of a sudden it was like nope they're just gonna like do just like an evening with basically for every show. Oh, wow. So it's a bummer. Cause like the, that's, you're trying so hard to get any break like that. Whereas like we've gotten boned so many times on tour. Cause like we don't have money to buy on the tour. Yeah. Basically if you pay enough, you can get on some of these smaller tours as like support. And I don't know, that's like a tough pill to swallow. Cause it's like, you've done everything right up to this point, but you just don't have like the extra grease to get those wheels going, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know. 
I've really enjoyed listening to the albums. I've gone through the four albums, the first EP. It's just a, such a unique sound. I want to wrap up with, if you were to describe the music to somebody who hadn't heard it before, how would you prepare them for it? It's, that's a good question, because I kind of have to gauge very quickly, like, how much into music is this person that's asking? Okay. So like, hey, what does your band sound like? And if, you know, if they're wearing a Mr. Bungle t-shirt, I'm like, great, I can explain this in detail how this music sounds. <laughs> coca-cola or a friend's t-shirt i'm like okay i'm gonna <laughs> use some prejudice here and i'll say like the lowest on the low end i'd say it's like oh it's it's like a movie score but it's it's more fun and i've, I've used that to describe stuff or i'll say it's like post-rock but not really sleepy you, uh, you know we've gotten tagged with like jazz fusion which makes oh, me barf in my wow. mouth a little but really i guess that's i guess that's true or like experimental folk we've gotten because like you know the cello is technically an acoustic instrument it just run the gamut you know but we'll never really fit in and i think i've, I've said this before but like we're too wussy for the metal crowd we're we're too jazzy for the folk crowd we're you know we're too heavy for the jazz crowd. So we're never really going to fully fit in, but yeah. I'm like, Hey, do you know that band Bon Jovi? It sounds nothing like that. Yeah. And it's way better. It is. So <laughs> give us a shot. It's like if King Crimson beat the shit out of Bon Jovi. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'd pay to see. Oh, I'd pay Bon Jovi ticket prices to see that. Ooh, I would too. All right. So that, and we'll have <laughs> you open. We lost Bon Jovi. Yeah. John Bovey. Yeah, for sure. We'll open up for anybody. I remember somebody asked, like, would you guys open up for Nickelback? And I'd be like, fuck yes, we would. <laughs> open up for Justin Bieber. We'd open up for a K-pop band. I don't care. Like, we're going to, we will convert any skeptic in the crowd, you know? Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. And, and that's what I really like. And, like, when we're booking tours, you know, sometimes promoters are, like, frustrating because they're like hey you're weird we'll put you with this other weird band that doesn't draw anything and i'm like no dude like put us with a good band yeah that actually draws put us with this like, indie pop band i don't care put us with yeah. like a really good hip-hop act like i don't give a fuck we will kill it just give us a chance yeah so, the point isn't to just but, you group, know. group shows by their weirdness factor those bands i i love that they're doing it but they can't they usually can't draw because it's so niche. It's so weird. So anyway, thanks for coming to my other TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the weirdest thing you ever got tipped in, in the subways? I, I know New Yorkers are famously, oh. uh, you know, uh, <laughs> un, unaffected by things. So it, what is weird stuff you get tipped? That's true. They're all very jaded. Um, yeah. One time we got tipped in, and I just remember this when you said it, we got, I got tipped in like a dishwashing 
brush, you know, like stuff what? that you, you put the dishwashing soap in and you press the button and they didn't know that. But I was like, I really needed that. <laughs> you know, I was just, just like the day before I was like, I fucking hate this sponge. You know, I wish there was some kind of contraption that I can use that let me decide how much dish soap I used. And lo and behold, this guy just put it in there. So see, maybe ask, there is a God. I ask, don't know. Ask and so, you shall receive. Yeah. We got tipped a lot of, in a lot of weird shit, you know? We'll throw like cigarettes in there. I'm like, what? what prison did you just come to that this is currency? <laughs> <laughs> but it was very nice of them. I know how much cigarettes cost, so yeah, I don't smoke, but I, I appreciate the gesture. So, you but yeah, probably New Yorkers sell those. are weird, and I love it. You know, yeah, right. I could sell a Lucy. That that's our side hustle. <laughs> if juggling doesn't work out, that could be my job. Loose cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, this has been a blast. I've really enjoyed listening to the music over the, over the past couple of weeks that we've been trying to get this together and discovering the sounds because I've been trying to watch the videos as well. And, and it's just, mm, sure. I yeah. have really enjoyed it. I'm hoping that when you guys get this next tour together, you you come down to the DC area because I'll we be will. there. We, we Good, man. We appreciate that. Bring your wife since she likes our music. I so will much. bring my wife. I will bring my camera. I'll take some shots for you. Okay, cool. I won't even charge anything. I'll do it for the exposure. Oh, thanks. Good. <laughs> you have tons of exposure. I will. Ex- I will expose myself to you. Thank hey, you. All right. We can ex- we can expose each other. That would be wonderful. All right. Cool. That unforgettable experience. Well, thanks for having us. Well, my pleasure. My best, Tara. I, I hope. I hope she's doing okay after that. Getting stuck in that traffic. Yeah, she's okay. She just got in, so we were okay. Where can people follow you? How can they find the albums and maybe buy the physical CDs that you've made? Because I, I'm going to do that. I am a big CD guy. I love CDs. So good. Thank. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, maybe we should put our shit on mini discs because I hear that's the next big thing. Um, (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, You can find us at youbedraptors.com, Instagram, Twitter at youbedraptors, Facebook, youbedraptorsnyc. If your parents still use Facebook, you can go there. Um, But if you want to like buy any physical merch or you want to get like high quality streaming stuff or MP3s or FLAC, that's Bandcamp. So you That's that's where this is probably one of the few places you can still buy like really good quality MP3s. Yeah. So that or you come to a show and you you help out the band by with your presence, with your energy, buying any kind of merch, giving us a high five after show, giving us much needed validation. So or, um, we'll be all over. We're we're hit we're hitting the West Coast for the first time in 2022. So. We're excited because we've been neglecting that coast for a long time. So just no dish sponges because you've already got one of those. Yeah, I got. I'm Unless good on that front forever. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long it was been since you had you got tipped once. So you know they they wear out eventually. Uh, yeah, I have gotten. I've not used the same dish sponge for years. I just want people to know that I don't have. E. coli okay <laughs> oh and pete thank you so much man this has been a blast i really appreciate it okay thanks for having us Mark.